Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bird on Bears fans, welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. We finally have Courtney on a Tuesday. Courtney, finally. how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, we're we're still, uh, Eric's got some issues going on over there, but outside of that, everybody <laughs> else is doing all right. You know what I mean? Um, got a lot to get into on this pod. Rookie mini camp has just finished. And uh, Dan Orlovsky thinks that uh, Justin Field might be an MVP. I heard that. So uh, we got to break all of that down, get into all that. Hey, make sure you guys are liking the video, subscribing to the page, and drop a Bear Don in the comments. At least let us know that you were here. Big Bear Don action out here. Let's get into the show, man. First quarter. First quarter. Justin Fields is an MVP candidate per Dan Orlovsky. He believes that he's going to take a Josh Allen type leap, (laughs) which is basically going from like 3,100 yards to 4,500. So is there any way that this is the feeling around the Chicago bears that Justin Fields is poised to take that level of leap? Not around the team, because when you hear how Luke Getze talks about his improvement, and I want to clarify this because I know that some fans took the comment from the bears offensive coordinator and ran with it in a direction. It wasn't supposed to go. And he said on Saturday that fields is light years ahead of where he was at this point last year. He was learning a brand new offense last year. And at this time, OTAs in April and in May, he was switching up his footwork. He was switching up the foot he dropped back with. Like it was fundamental things of this offense to sync up the rhythm, the timing with the wide receivers, where your release, you know, where your releases, like what your drops look like in the pocket. Like he was starting over from scratch last year. So the light years ahead comment refers to. I now know my quarterback. My quarterback knows me, the offensive coordinator. This isn't brand new for both of us. Luke Getze has a year under his belt of what the offseason looks like, of what a season looks like, of how to call plays, how to adjust in season, make all of those changes. And Fields, within all of that, knows the offense, now has new players to work with, but isn't having to go from like the very basics of learning his ABCs in this offense. That's what that comment meant. So when I hear the MVP candidate comment, my first thought is, okay, this is off season TV. (laughs) This is what happens when we're kind of in like the boring phase. It's not like super boring because there are these storylines we can talk about and now see how teams are constructed with free agency over the draft over. But this is like, wait until July, Pat. Like, there's going to be this conversation. And can the Bears take the next step? Will they be the sleeper team in the NFC North? That's coming. So be prepared for it because that's what we do when there's not games being played. And, you know, I guess we can't just talk about the NBA playoffs all the time as much as I would love to. But it's. It's interesting because we have not gotten to see what Fields looks like yet. They're still in phase two, which is the coaches being able to like just start working with the players. The first OTA date that we'll be out there for is May 23rd, so two weeks from today. And that's when you'll get to see like lay eyes on veteran squad mixed in with the rookies, and you'll get to see what Justin Fields looks like in person for the first time throwing the ball to DJ Moore 
throwing the ball to Chase Claypool, throwing the ball to Tyler Scott, what that receiving core looks like. And then we can start the overreaction whenever you want actually, after we actually lay eyes on him. But I think the projections there that he's going to take the step and going into year three, looking what, looking at what Buffalo did, you brought up what, what was said about like the Josh Allen style leap. Look at what happened to him when they got him a number one receiver. Like I saw that team in 2019. They were awful. Like that Buffalo team, Granted, they beat the Minnesota Vikings in one of the worst like upsets of regular season upsets, which is an absolute blowout. I saw them week three that year, and I think they finished. They were like six and ten. They were not a very good team, but the jump that he made when they gave him a number one receiver in Stephon Diggs via that trade was pretty remarkable in 2020. That's when you said, hey, Josh Allen's arrived. This is somebody who is going to be part of the quarterback conversation going forward. The hope is that Justin now can be entering that same conversation too I, i'm not going to put him there yet though it's it's always my favorite part of the year when we just like overhype the smallest thing that we've seen like i saw the uh the the video you said they were in phase two of him throwing it to to dj more and i'm like the footwork the footwork really looks great and people are like really breaking down his footwork oh and so i'm like yeah but there's like you know, Starting no, routes on there, air, like there, calm down. There's, there's no 300 pound man trying to kill yes. him right now. You know what I mean? Like that's a very important part of football. And when you slow down <laughs> the video and throw a music bed underneath it, everybody looks good. I would look good like running a route and not having a damn clue what I'm doing. If you like put all of those things together. But yes, it's the footwork for him is such a, it, like they still talk about that. Yeah. It's like, you know, speed and accuracy with the footwork getting that down pat and like i think that it's that's there but now it's timing that up with your receivers working with these guys so you have that chemistry and that connection that's why so many receivers and quarterbacks get together in the off season like away from the facility to have these throwing sessions when you're trying to learn what they do really well and time that up with what your quarterback is still learning to do and helping him take the next step there so like that's the important part of getting those reps. The, you know, the time on task is what you'll hear Matt Eberflus say a bunch. And that's, it's not just lip service. That stuff is actually important. So those videos that you see and you'll continue to see populating from the Bears Twitter account and on social media, eventually there will be people in his face. Eventually there will be someone trying to dent the pocket, so yeah. to speak. But um, I think for now, at least they're in a good spot where, everybody's there like you don't this is an off season where we're not wondering hey is it's is anybody not going to show up remember that was last year like we didn't know if Roquan Smith was going to be there or not and, exactly. and to his credit he did this roster feels like they're all on the same page going into the rest of OTAs and what the next five six weeks are going to look like are really important for Justin Fields and making sure that he's got everybody there that he needs to work with and start incorporating more pieces into this offense the the Luke Getzey made a comment yesterday, uh, yesterday, two days ago, I think, uh, in the press conference talking about Justin Fields, where he said a third of his rushing attempts were broken pass mm -hmm. plays. I broke that down. I believe it, it ended up being basically 53 extra pass plays last season. You're talking about Justin Fields taking 360-plus pass attempts. If, if he has an offensive line last year. Do you think that we'll see less of a running style, hopefully based on the fact that our offensive line is healthy and that 
that will be the thing that finally unlocks Justin Fields. Because to me, Justin Fields, right, the running quarterback, like we stick that on anybody that's like athletic and, and has to run. We don't we don't break it down. And well, these are the reasons he's running. It's just he's running all the time. Well, would you rather him get his head taken off? Sure. Realistically, last season, Justin Fields would have had Jalen Hurts maybe a little less levels of running if he had protection back there. And he's always been a guy that wanted to throw football. Yeah, that's who he was at Ohio State. There's the hesitancy, though, when you are standing in the pocket and when you're still learning. Like, I mean, that's always been his thing of him staying in, like, time in the pocket, time to throw. Like, he leads the league with, like, the longest time. Like, that's something that they've wanted him to cut down on. That's something he's needed to cut down on. But that's something that was with him back at Ohio State. They knew that when they drafted him. You hope now that since you've improved the pass protection, since you've improved who he's throwing to, you say you can throw to a spot now. You can throw your guy open. That's the maturity of a quarterback maturing and getting to see that process. We'll see it in real time by how those plays, those broken pass, those pass plays that are broken because he doesn't see something downfield. Maybe a receiver gets jammed. Maybe they can't get open. Maybe he doesn't trust the protection like less of those sorts of plays because you're still going to see them utilizing his legs. But I think it was against either Detroit or Miami. One of the November games where he like, you know, went like back to back weeks, like 170 something rushing yards. There was one pass. There was one broken pass play where he like tuck it. You can see him like thinking in the process that he was running into down the bear sideline into the North end zone for a touchdown. That was like maybe like a 50 plus yard. Oh, where he he steps out at like the three, right? Or something like that. You can. Yeah, I think it's that play. I mean, you can like see him processing. I should probably be throwing it here. I actually think it was like a really good. I'm trying to remember what the protection was. I think Alex Leatherwood was in the game because I'm like picturing this in my head right now. Um, And he had a really good block for him at right at like from the right tackle spot. But you can see Justin almost like thinking, all right, I should probably throw this. But whatever, like I've already got the advantage here. I'm going to run. And in what he saw downfield, it worked out. And that's fine. But you hope for his sake with his legs and with, you know, just exposing yourself to to getting hit and anything like that, that you don't, you have less of those plays now that you actually have protection that you can trust, receivers that you will have better timing. And you have have a more defined receiver room. Like they're not dealing with a group of receivers that, the word at the bottom the of the barrel, like in a bunch of slot receivers that you're trying to make something into something that they're not like that should all help him because he's in a spot where they've dedicated a ton of resources to making him a better quarterback. Now he's got to go be a better quarterback in that sense. What is it going to take? What's the threshold that you think, right? Of course, wins are going to be the most important thing. The mm-hmm. Josh Allen leap where people are talking about, like they went 13 and three that season. That, that helps a lot. Sure. But um, what do you think the threshold is? Chicago like we know this right like DeMar DeRozan was in MVP talks for half the season last season just because the Bulls were the number one seed nobody looked at DeMar DeRozan and were like yeah he's the best player in the NBA Mm -hmm. so like Chicago being in Chicago they want their MVPs to be from the bigger cities it's gonna help so he may need a little bit less but like Lamar Jackson was like 3,100 yards 36 touchdowns, 20, no, what was it? 36 touchdowns. I think, I think it was 29 passing, mm-hmm. seven rushing, whatever it, it broke down to. 
is that kind of the the line for him to even get those talks? Or? Like the fact that we have this conversation and they were the worst passing offense exactly. in the league. Let's just get his attempts up. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to be thinking if you're the Chicago Bears. Not that they would be thinking, "Hey, we got to make an M- him an MVP candidate." Get the pass attempts up. Have him. He looks like the MVP in this offense because he has to be. Make sure that he doesn't have to be so you can give him those MVP moments that stand out more, not just the back-to-back-to-back games where he's, you know, breaking off 50-plus yard rushing touchdowns because he really, there, there's no other option to move the ball. That stuff's important, and that stuff will still show up, show up within this offense. I don't know if there's, like, a threshold for him. Like, it has to be more, I mean, he was finished like what six how many yards away from Lamar's rushing record last year I think that if he'd have, if he if he'd played, have played that last 18, game I think he would have ended up getting what was it 60, 60 yards something or yards? yeah like he like those things all factor into like what we would be talking about like him as like a serious MVP candidate like because to expect this offense for him as like a, as a passing quarterback to go from where it was last year to make like a jump where he's throwing for like 4,000 yards. It's kind of a stretch. I, that was, like, I, I remember Josh Allen doing it. Cause Josh Allen, but season before he threw like 3,600, something like that. But I remember just seeing him like throw 4,500 yards. I was like, mm-hmm. what the heck happened? Bears but are, it literally was, Hey, we're going to protect this guy yeah. and get him a receiver. I don't think the bears have ever had, correct me if We've I'm wrong, 4,000 4, yard, yard quarterback. Like, so, I mean, my God, if he's the first to do it, then of course he ends up in the conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because of the history and the lineage of of quarterback futility, which yeah. is not a great thing in yeah. this city and of, with this franchise, but that would certainly make an in- interesting conversation. I just think if you're projecting this thing out, look at your look at the field. Like if you're taking Justin Fields versus the field, the field is Patrick Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. Who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to look like? And there's in this no new Pat offense. Mahomes fatigue out here. No, like, there's not. Like, like, like everybody sit when when the old guys are like, "Hey, I think this might be the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life." It's like, "Oh, really? You got him over Rodgers, Starbuck? Do you now?" Yeah, <laughs> it's in and that's who he's competing against for the quarterback award. No running back, no receivers ever going to win the MVP. They might as well just call it like the quarterback award. But that like. I, I do our MVP file every season. Like I, we start like week six, we go six, 10, um, 14 end of season. Like we wrap one up and then we do like a final breakdown. So we do our voting. We have like a panel of 10 of us and we go like way in the numbers. And so I get to like, see these guys up close and, you know, they're the moments I remember last year, like, Hey, fields had a great game. Like fields has had a, that stretch after the new England game where his numbers were good the team and I mean they were putting up like 30 points a game should he enter the conversation and I remember there was a a time that he was a just missed candidate for us like week by the time I was writing this was probably like week 10 um consideration but not like yeah he's actually in the mix like people would be considering that maybe he'll the offense takes the jump that they expect it to that's very realistic that he would be talked about in that way but gosh he's got a lot of really good competition, a lot of really good competition in the AFC among the quarterbacks. So maybe because he's in the less crowded NFC, maybe it's, it's going to be an interesting, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting series of topics didn't he get, he got one vote last year, right? For MVP, like actual vote. I AP thought he voters. got one vote. Like maybe it was a 
I, I forget how they tier the MVP, but like maybe it was like a bottom bottom vote. But I thought mm-hmm. somebody like threw, and I was like, all right, don't throw me, don't throw me the consideration bone out I here. I think there's 50 voters because it's the AP NFL MVP awards. So there's 50 people who vote. I don't have an official vote on that. Like ours right. is our ESPN poll that we do with our analysts. But if they're, I mean. I thought it was pretty unanimous last it year. Maybe like, I'm maybe I'm wrong. I thought I thought because I remember somebody be like I, I also remember seeing him being like, You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not the enemy. Like, you, you, you wasted your vote. It, it's the um oh, who did that? Somebody did that. They were like, I'll never vote for Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, Well, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how to tell you this. Like, he's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Hey, it is what it is. There's a lot of dumb people out there. This podcast gets real out here. Stop playing with us. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys for tuning in. Show and love. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Make sure that you are listening on the ESPN Chicago app Monday through Friday. We get Courtney two times a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, all the way during the season. So, I mean, listen, we're going to be getting that deep, in-depth insight. And that is where we want to go with the second quarter because second quarter courtney everybody's talking about darnell right mm-hmm. of course you pass on jalen carter chicago's a defensive town this is still the biggest story in the world that how could you let the three technique that we need go there and then you pick javon dexter in the second round blah 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 darnell right his coach chris morgan said that he knows what he's doing already Said the game's kind of slow for him. The one thing we really liked, uh, that's the one thing we really liked about him. Some guys, when the ball is snapped, they just play. Things look slow for him. He puts his hand where he wants to put it. He's very controlled and sets, got good tempo, does some really nice things. What are the realistic expectations for a rookie right tackle year one in Darnell Wright? Are we expecting him to be one of the best right tackles in the league day one? Are we expecting some slow development? Mm -hmm. Are we expecting, right, he's going to be serviceable? What are the Bears' expectations right now? Right now you're seeing him in minicamp, like, man, like, this guy's about to get, like, paid. Like, he just, I think... He has not signed his contract yet, but when right. he does, he's going to be getting about $21 million yeah. in in guarantees when it's all said and done. He's definitely so, buying video games. So what he's like when you see him go up against, you know, guys who are brought in yeah. for to be camp bodies, he's going to look like an absolute superstar. And there was one rep last week during uh, 11 on 11 Friday of mini camp where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a man among boys. Yeah. Like that, that's sort of more because he just locked the defensive end in place. And, and there's not a lot of contact. This is not supposed to be contact because it's the offseason. They're not wearing pads. But I was like, OK, you can see the strength right then and there. Like and he's a big guy. Him among among the rest of the offensive linemen, and they didn't draft any other offensive linemen. So these are all UDFAs college tryout players he looks like he's in a different class let's see what that looks like when he gets with braxton jones when he gets around the vets and is now integrated into this offensive line room because that's one thing luke getsy said that he felt right handled really well at the senior bowl because he was you know he coached uh the american team which darnell wright was on there are four players javon javon dexter wasn't in that because he was a junior um pickens wright um, 
Was it was Roshan Johnson in there too? And then the quarterback Roshan was in there. Yeah, Be- uh, quarterback was in there. Um, Bajent, the one who like the D two quarterback. Okay. So like he had four of these players, and so he spent time in that offensive line room with Darnell Wright, and he was talking with him about you know, the hardest transition, for, really for any rookie, is being a rookie in the offensive line room because of all the veterans year round, having to play at their their standard, having to work at their standard, carry yourself at their standard. There's just a lot of extra stuff that goes into that. And so when you hear like how Luke Getzey felt that Darnell Wright handled that conversation and kind of the signs that he's showing about wanting to garner the respect of the guys who have, who are in the room, because that's very important. You can't walk in as a rookie knowing that you're starting at right tackle and do things the way that you've always done it. But then also hearing how Matt Eberflew said, like, you know, his football intelligence, like his ability to retain information and just kind of like they, it's not, Hey, he's, he's coming in here. He's got a long way to go. Like, you know, we're going to talk up the rookie, but he's still got a long way to go. Like, yeah, not hearing any of that ladder stuff. Like, of course the body, we don't know. He's not going to play at three thirty-five. Like he told me that the other day when I asked him and Chris Morgan doesn't have an exact weight. I think you and I might've talked about it. Like, Guys are, t- I mean, like, outside of Larry Borum, everybody's pretty much between like 310 and 321. Yeah. So I'd expect him to slim down a bit um, to be playing at a leaner, at, you know, at just a leaner weight. But remember, he was in a hurry up offense last year. Like, I don't know if they ever huddled at Tennessee. Very much the conditioning is not a factor with him, whatever size he's playing. So all of it seems really positive on paper that you don't have a lot of undoing from the like the natural college to NFL progression with this with this player you have a higher projection for him because you're like this is this is what you want in a top 10 pick he's somebody who comes in certainly is not a polished product product but somebody who's trending getting there far quicker than um you know somebody else that maybe they would have drafted a couple other rounds but again i remember this is you know Brian O'Neill's one of the best right tackles in the NFL he was a second round pick by the Vikings in 2019 or 18. I want to say it was 19. Um, it was my second, my third season covering them. And I remember watching him at training camp just get manhandled by Brian Robinson, a veteran defensive end who like he put his hands up to block. I think Brian was at the 51st overall pick. So like yeah. second round pick, but like, again, that's still a pretty high, high pick. pick. And he yeah. just became one of like the highest paid offense tackles, right tackles in the NFL a few years ago. Like he put his hands up like to block, to like get, you know, kind of to get in his pass set. And Brian Robinson took his hand, just like swatted them down <laughs> and like, Swim, swam moved around, swim moved around. I don't know, like the past tense of that, like the <laughs> verb. Just got around him so quickly. You're like, welcome to the NFL, rookie. Yeah. Darnell Wright's going to have those sorts of moments. Yeah. I, I can assure you of that. Yeah. As bad as the Bears' pass rush is, like it might not look as magnified in training camp, but he's going to have those moments where he's not winning every single rep. And that's okay because you expect the growing process, the more time, the more reps he gets. And that's why I think it's really important whether you're talking about Chris Morgan, sounds like they're, they're doing the right thing and keeping everybody where they played last year and yeah. where they're comfortable at, because the more reps you get at the at left tackle, if you're Braxton Jones, the more reps you get at right tackle, if you're Darnell Wright, you're not asking them to like have to learn a new language and like speak it on the fly. You're at learning. You're asking them to, all right, continue to do what you're doing and see how far you can get within the confines of this offense, the confines of what we're asking you to do and not overcomplicating it. Like, and that's, 
podcast. Oh, will you? Oh, okay, Siri. <laughs> she does that all the time. Like I'm on air a lot, and like some, I'll say something that sounds like S I R I. I don't want to set her off. Um, and it'll like you know it'll pick up on my microphone and like go out over the air. I'm like, great. Like I don't know what I said. Like it'll start like, <laughs> sorry, but um, no. I mean, I think for for him. The praise seems warranted right now. Granted, yeah. it's still very early in this process. I'm eager to see what he looks like just from a physical standpoint when he gets around the vets when we're out there in two weeks. And then like how he handles, you know, what like an actual NFL pass rush is going to look like. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's when when I hear them talk about a lot of the players that they've got in the building now, it does excite me because you always I, I feel like we always hear Right. If if a guy's right, he's a development guy. He's a piece that like maybe you feel like, OK, maybe we drafted this guy a little high. It's just like, yeah, you know, we got some things that we can really yeah. get into. And uh, he's still got some time, but we'll address a lot of that. No TAs and train. But like I feel like with uh, uh, um, Darnell Wright, with even um, why am I blanking on the Ro- Roshan Johnson? Uh, the first things that they're, they're just like, man, these guys, they 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 have a mm-hmm. understanding. Like, they've been here before. This is not a new process for them. The way they talk about Roshan Johnson, you would have thought this guy's a 10-year NFL fed. I, Maybe some of it's hyperbole, but, like, my goodness, I've never heard a staff from, like, the scout who, who we talked to, John City, who, yeah. like, was his area scout, to Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, just, <laughs> you know, the way they're talking about this guy it would make it would lead and even like um richard hightower their special teams co- coordinator yeah. like we're already projecting this guy's like the number one back in this offense more or less just by the rhetoric around him yes. and he very well may be but wow like i i don't want to tell anybody like pump the brakes because he very well could be the real deal they drafted him in the fourth round for a reason they moved back but like not far enough where they he would be out of reach that's pretty remarkable. I'm I'm pretty all in on he's going to be our starting back, mainly for what he does on the field, right? Like the I I think that he is the other three backs we have on our team in one. He can pass block, he can catch mm-hmm. out of the backfield. He's a good runner, right? Everybody's like, oh, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have breakaway speed, neither did David Montgomery. And we loved him for four years, right? Like you don't need breakaway speed to be the number one back. But the the thing that I noticed, and I think I think you might have asked the question about um you know kind of what you guys are seeing from Roshan and every one of the 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 coaches like doesn't start with football they're just like this guy's the last guy in the room he's always trying to break down he's the he's the oh yeah he's good at running the football as well like he he also can run but like he's a leader he's a real and I'm just like is this is this like our number one bet like is Khalil Herbert getting traded in week three is that what we're (laughs) heading towards here I mean, the story that Richard Hightower told about Roshan Johnson cleaning up the water bottles in the meeting room the other day. I mean, of course, like you you look at that and I don't know how much stock you put into something (laughs) like that, but it it, it does. It's the little thing. It's the little things. I mean, I don't know how much stock you put into that about how good he's going to be as a football player or not. Very clearly, like they see the projection there, the lack of, you know, lack of wear and tear on somebody who started five games of 47 career games at Texas. That's really important too, but it's culture, such a big thing for this team and what they're trying to build. Those are the little things that get you to the next step that help replace the void that you lose in David Montgomery, who they wanted to keep, but just, they couldn't get the numbers to work to where, you know, the offer that they gave him, to my knowledge, was 
very much, if not the same on par with the Detroit Lions. So I don't know what the what the like breakdown was there. Right. But I was worried for a while thinking, okay, what does this running back room look like? Because not saying that Khalil Herbert can't be like the leader I of that room. Can, yes. I think he very much can. And, and Deontay Foreman is a vet in this league too. But losing David Montgomery is a sizable thing. That's no small thing. He and Justin Fields had a terrific relationship. Montgomery has been through... You know, the roller coaster ride that is that was this team since he was drafted in 19. How you replace that is bringing in a high character guy. And in some of the stories that you're starting to hear about Roshan Johnson lead you to believe. I mean, the term pillar of a fran of the franchise was used <laughs> before like he even got on the Zoom call, like to talk about being a Chicago Bears. Yeah. So I I think all of that stuff is good. I mean, granted, it is May. We'll see what it, if, if any of this stuff pans out. But like the fact that coaches are seeing it now yeah. leads you to believe, okay, there, there, there's something about this guy that they believe will actually like pan out. Well, and that's the thing I love. It's, it's not right. Like it's not. I always think back to the the Hard Knocks episode, and I think it's since a podcast has been proven right where you see uh jarvis landry like in the meeting room mm -hmm. and he's yelling at all the guys and he's like we gotta dig deep and fight hard and it's like the middle of the season they've lost like four games in a row <laughs> and it's like were you just acting for the cameras and he's like yeah i was like like it doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like this guy's just doing this because now he's on the chicago bears when you hear about what roshan johnson was at texas they said b john robinson was the lead back but it was Roshan's room. Yeah. And that like people like when you'd walk into the facility and of course Bijan grabs the headlines, but it's Roshan that they're talking about, yeah. like in terms of the leadership, in terms of, you know, what he meant in that football facility, first guy in last guy out stuff like yeah. that. It's a good sign. It's a very good sign. It's good. It's good to see it this early that it, that it's actually a part of his personality. Well, as we get here to this part of the show, this is my favorite part of the show because it's the part where we get to be, get to promote, get to yes. be a little more personable. We don't have to just sit here and break down the bears. Courtney, I've welcome to halftime. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here at halftime. We've made it halfway through the show and we haven't gotten kicked off yet. So I want to remind people because I'll be promoting this over the next couple months. The Vaughn McClure and Jeff Dickerson Foundation. Our event this year is June 21st yeah. at Tau Chicago. We had an awesome time last year. Like I had never been to Tau. This is my first time. And it was like, I was expecting like the club of Tau. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but this was in the club part. The bar is beautiful. Like they would just did such a wonderful job honoring both of these awesome human beings. 6 to 10 p.m., June 21st, um, last year, $200,000 was raised for a multitude of causes that meant a lot to JD and to Vaughn. And so you can get your tickets. I always say this wrong, so I'm going to make sure that it's tvmjdfoundation.org. Buy your tickets. And if you have auctionable items because we do a silent auction every year like if there's any like sports memorabilia like any like experiences trips stuff that you want people to bid on like please like uh, reach out to like tvmjdfoundation.org go like there's there's a place there where you can like volunteer like donate items we are looking for a lot of stuff like it's always you now there's like somebody won a patrick wisdom signed jersey last year it was awesome that was one of our highest grossing uh items there's always like bear stuff too yeah. like it's just a really cool event i hope to see a lot of people there i know a lot of people from espn 1000 come because like jd was family to all of us here 
And so hopefully, hopefully we have a great turnout again this year. I mean, it was such a great time last year and I'm excited about it. I didn't get an opportunity to meet JD. I, actually, I met him once. I met him at training camp and just literally walked up and was like, hi, I'm Path the Designer. He was like, hi, I'm JD. And I was like, I like what you do. He was like, thank you. He's the best. <laughs> so he that was the absolute what, best human What ever. would an event like this mean to Jeff Dickerson seeing as how many charities there were? Yeah, I mean, he the outpouring of support for this event and like seeing where it, we we started it when it was the Vaughn McClure Foundation right. back in 2021 and you know Jeff MC'd that while very much not not dealing with I mean he was dealing with cancer he wasn't doing well right. in that moment I remember he like just crushed it on the mic that night because I think Waddle got stuck in the city he was supposed to be coming up there but like he was in traffic so like Jeff like just killed it on the mic as usual like he just always did um and it was so cool seeing my espn colleagues especially all of us from bristol our nfl nation group come together then and then to make this event bigger now that we've combined with jeff and with vaughn and like all of their causes everything from you know the journal journalism scholarship uh at northern illinois uh and then of course the mental health research and causes that like m the money goes towards there's so much there and i just love seeing this event grow and seeing people year after year be a part of it and like get you know, get the word out about it. Like, it's just, it's one of my favorite events and we miss them both terribly. Yeah. Like, but it is such a cool thing to like honor their legacy by getting to do this. And so I, I hope to see both of you guys there. And I mean, it's, it's a really cool event. I plan on pulling up for sure. Uh, hopefully all of you guys do as well that are listening. Um, just because like you could feel the, the, impact that he had on not just this station, but just, I mean, mm -hmm. like the Bears community. Sure. The, the Chicago Absolutely. Bears community mourned when we lost JD. So I, I think that that was a even seeing the players in the building and, and, and George even and all of those guys, you know, like it was really cool to see how many people's lives he touched. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, he was uh, just he's one of one. Yeah, there will never be another. But like we are all better off that he was like able to touch our lives. And like, I, I mean, I walk into this place like and I I mean, for me, in, I mean, the reason I'm here unfortunately the reason i'm here is because of his passing but i still thank him right. for it's a door that opened for me that i'll never be able to separate and i don't want to separate from from him because this like he got me home yeah. so like i'll always appreciate him for that and it's it's such a like i mean it's such a testament to who he was as a person that you know it's been over a year now and like we still like you get to see like the good guy award in the um, they have like a plaque in the media room and Cole Komet won it last year. He was so gracious, like with George and Sandy, Jeff's parents, the day uh, that he was given the award back in December, like right before the end of the season. And like now, like Jeff's name's attached to our good guy award. It's it just it's so cool. Like I love being able to be part of things that like keep his legacy alive. What's that website one more time for the people out there? Let me say it again so I don't say it wrong because I almost said it wrong and last we'll, year. On and TV. we'll drop it in the description as well. TVMJDfoundation.org, June 21st, 6 to 10 p.m. over at Tau Chicago. Make sure to get in tune with that. Ladies and gentlemen, that was halftime. That's a great halftime. Might be the best halftime we've had on this show yet. At, at, is that top Lance talking about uh, 
talking about having to outcoach his son. That might, See, I need to listen might, back to that because the fact that his son is sunning <laughs> the dad might be a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just like, pretty I, remarkable. It, it, it really goes to show you that as teenagers, none of us knew what the heck we were talking about. And we were just like, our parents, uh, they, they have no idea what I'm going through out here. He's like, he's a, he's a Hall of Fame Actually, linebacker. I do. I, I, I kind of like, went through this process. Shoes. That's, I need to hear that. That's awesome. Third quarter. Let's keep it going here. Let's get into the third quarter because another uh, another another timeline that was dropped on us this week. Another Darnell. Another Darnell. That is what you were actually, say. yes. Um, and the timeline that was dropped on us is that Darnell Mooney might not be back when Flus has said, which is very Flus of Flus, right? Like, how many guys have we heard through the two years he's been here where it's like. Yeah, he's day to day. He'll be back. He's going to be gone six weeks. Okay. All right. Like, relax. But uh, I'll ask you this Is the Mooney timeline promising or concerning? So I was talking with Tyke Tolbert about this. Uh, we were in like a small group setting. It was myself and Jason, Jason Leisure from the Sun Times. And we were, you know, just kind of gauging like, where is he in his rehab right now? Because when you're watching the videos, the slow mo videos of guys lifting weights <laughs> and getting swole, um, there's a noticeable member of this team that you haven't seen in any of the photos, you haven't seen, you know, in any of the videos, and that's Darnell Mooney yeah. because he broke his ankle, which required surgery. Well, it was week 12 last year. So yes. that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So that's December, January, February, March, April, May. We're almost at six months. Um, by the time training camp rolls around, that's two, that's, that's about eight months. So the timeline, I'm, I think it's smart to say like for them to like, not put like, Oh yeah, de- like hard and fast rule that he's going to be back by training camp. Right. But what Tyke Tolbert was saying about how, you know, he's in the building attacking his rehab. He's running now. That's promising. Like, and I would imagine when we're out there at OTAs, he'll be on a rehab field. You'll get to see him at least moving around. He's not going to be doing anything with the team. He's not catching passes, but he will be moving around. And that's a good, good thing to see that you would like to believe the, I certainly hope so. That Tyke Tolbert said when I asked him, like, do you expect him back for training camp? that's trending in that direction because that's important. You need to integrate him into this offense. I mean, he knows it obviously, but he's going to have a different role with DJ Moore and an off season for Chase Claypool. Like Mooney can go thrive in the slot again, but this could be a really big year for him where he doesn't have to be a number one. Um, but can, I mean, think about the season that he had in 2021 when he like, you know, topped a thousand yards, like that could be, get get him back to like that version of himself yeah I, and i think the the thing to keep in mind because to me right like when you look at the breakdown of a thousand yards it's like okay what is it like 60 yards a game if a guy's getting 60 yards a game it's probably not your number one wide mm-hmm. receiver but as a slot guy yeah that's great you've got a guy that you can count on being underneath for justin to go to um i think that you add that in with what cole Komet and dj Moore and chase claypool are hopefully what chase claypool is i'm still big on chase i don't know we'll see um I, i'm really concerned because i had i have a i have a video on on my my personal podcast the windy city breeze where i literally say like y'all left chase claypool in pittsburgh to die and this is the result and a week later ryan pole is traded for him mm-hmm. so 
I've been told that I'm the poll source because I look like him. You said I look like Sam Mustafer last time, by the way. Okay, were you insulted like, by that? Like, <laughs> I wasn't insulted, but it threw me off. And Danny was like, did you bring that up? No. <laughs> so, like, I just remember, like, when I found out we were doing the podcast, I'm like, who does he look like? He, I'm just like, and I was, like, racking my brain because you had glasses on in a photo. I don't know if those were those glasses or something else. You guys tell me. Like, does he look like Sam? Sam Mustafer or Ryan Poles? Here's the thing. I got to take the head off now. See, I mean, like, in this, I would say Poles. Now that you said Poles. The stomach is Mustafer for sure. Like, the stomach is that. Poles is doing crunches. Like, <laughs> I mean, I maybe a mixture of Sam Mustafer <laughs> mixed with. If Sam Mustafer or Ryan Poles had a baby, that could be you. That is a concerning child. Uh, <laughs> Both offensive linemen. Though. Both offensive linemen. Find the common ground. <laughs> I really want to know. You guys need to leave something in the comments. Does who does Pat look like? Because like you could, I mean, Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles get like mixed, mistaken for each other all the time. Which well, is that's hilarious. a different thing, you know. Somebody um, call me Jonathan Hood as well. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a different thing altogether when you really break it down. <laughs> They look nothing alike. If we're being honest. I know. And, but, all right. But no, you guys need to let me know. Like, who does Pat, who's Pat's doppelganger? Remember we used to do that on Facebook? Who's, who's Put your doppelganger, doppelganger out. Oh, man. Ryan oh. Poles or Sam Mustafer or Option C. Which option you guys C. Let us know. The the educated brother from the bank is Option C. Y'all. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Shout out to y'all. Um, no, I, I, I think that uh, I don't even know what point I was making before I brought up Sam Mustafer. We're talking Mooney. We're talking Mooney. Timeline. It, Ankle. Just throw out some words. And see yeah, I appreciate all anything. of them. Uh, I, it, this probably won't connect, but hey, let's keep it going. Um, so here's the thing. Oh, I do know because I, I was talking about Chase Claypool. Yes, and and what his role could be with this team. Um, the, Darnell Mooney to me. I think that this is going to be one of the most important training camps for him, even though he does go back to his original position because. He could be the number two. He mm -hmm. could be the number three. He could be the number four option on this team realistically if he possibly misses training camp. Now, not as a wide receiver, but I think that a guy like um, uh, uh, Tyler Scott coming in here, who I think is going to be a deep shot target for Justin. Yes. That could be a, 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 another guy that's able to garner time if Mooney's not on the field. I think this might be his most important training camp as a bear. You're right. And because, I mean, his contract too, yeah. like – he's going to be eligible for an extension soon. So this is his year to show like, I need to be part of this team going forward. Like I am a necessary piece in this offense and he and Justin Fields going like, let's just go back to last year. Like the, the continuity element was very, very important. Yeah. Even though Mooney finished with like a team high 493 receiving yards, <sighs> not great. And granted he did like miss weeks 13 through 18 because of the ankle injury, but even still right. like, if that's the if these two like, their continuity was like the strongest among anybody in like the receiving room and it still didn't yield that much like to be able to take the next step on top of that and to give Justin Fields multiple different receiving options to me like the receiving room looks different because as much as they're going to say well nobody has a defined role yet you can look at somebody and say you're going to be in the slot. Yes. You're going to be the X. Yes. You're going to be the vertical threat. Like there's, it just, it makes it your job easier when you have people that are, are, you have receivers, a more established receiver room than it was last year. I, I think it benefits, of course, right. We, we talk about the players on the field, but I think it benefits Luke Getzey because he's not help holding back anymore. You he's, can open he, up the playbook. I, I can't, like, literally. Not, I can't like go like, I can't call this because Byron Pringle's not going to catch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that is so big. Like, I, 
a lot of people I feel like forget like this is Luke Getze like his year of like oh I kind of know what I'm doing mm -hmm. coming into the season this is uh, Coach Flus's year of oh I kind of know how to be a head coach now coming into the season like I think those are the things that are going to help you take that next step the most putting your players in the right position and having players that can play that position and having plays for specific yes. players like <laughs> being able to ask them to do more than they did last year and like the idea that it opens up your playbook is very obvious because you can run more plays yes. with guys who are capable of running them yeah. which i know it seems like such a easy concept like good player have good players be able to like drop good plays but that was really difficult for them last year given some of the constraints within that receiving room absolutely absolutely as we head in here to the fourth quarter let's finish this thing out because uh fourth quarter. listen the 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 glaring hole that this team has is still the defensive line that that is the one part that we're really focused on we didn't of course take Jalen Carter so everybody's up in arms about that or I, I think Chicago's finally gotten to a point where it's like we didn't take Jalen Carter I kind of like this big guy though mm -hmm. like I think we're finally getting to that point which I like that but um we we heard about uh Javon Dexter that He's kind of having a he's got to retrain his brain again, right? He's been used to playing the two gap. Um, he, now he's trying to get back to a penetrating style. And through rookie minicamp, it kind of took him a little while just to kind of like get his hand in the right place, get his footwork in the right place. Um, do you think that the expectation on Javon Dexter is that he will be able to accomplish these things by the time we get to training camp, preferably heading into the season, or are they kind of slow playing this with him and Zach Pickens just saying, whichever one of y'all get it first, you're the three tech. And of course, Justin Jones is in Justin that mix Jones too. Is still in there, like yes. Alan Williams talking about, you know, what that is going to look like. I know there were some bears fans that at least were in my mentions when I like quoted what Alan Williams said, this is like the same old, you know, same old stuff. Yeah. No, I think it's good to have like, when you think about it, you're, when you're a nickel, and we talked about this last week, like when you are a 42 nickel, that's basically your base defense right. now. Like you have to have guys who are, have the stamina and the conditioning and like the road bodies, just the ability to have fresh guys in there to get after the quarterback, to dent the pocket, to keep the quarterback high. So your edges can do the work. Like whether that's Justin Jones, whether it's Siobhan Dexter, whether right. it's Zach Pickens, like when you play an even front and that's what they do, your two defensive tackles are going to be interchangeable, yeah. which is good. Like, and that for me, like, I remember I'm just like thinking about it. Like last year, that was a foreign concept for me because when I came from Minnesota and, and Zimmer's defense was a four, it was 43 defense, but they played an over front, your three technique and your nose were very defined. And like in the best years of that defense, when they were, you know, wasn't the number it wasn't the number one defense year in 2017 but like the best like iteration of that was when you had Linville Joseph playing your nose and you had Sheldon Richardson who was a disruptive three technique getting after the quarterback like their version of like you know what you would expect from an Aaron Donald's yeah. like for more people to like understand kind of like what that role is this to me was like I had like retrain my brain when I was watching what this defense and this pass rush was going to look like last year when when Eberflus comes in and brings his concept because it's different when you have those two spots where somebody's going to be playing the shade, somebody's going to be your three technique. It's they're they're a lot more interchangeable where they do a lot more of the same things than different, and so that's good. I would say for them to have been able to 
spent day two of the draft getting two guys in that they believe will really help the interior pass rush because quarterbacks in, in well, you'll, you'll talk to all of them. Like when they feel pressure coming up the middle, like that really throws guys off. So bears didn't have much of that last year and <laughs> we didn't have the middle. We didn't have the outside No, <laughs> and, and to, to, to prioritize that over the edge. I know that there are some people say, well, maybe that's like, that's kind of doing things backwards because you think of edge rushers, you think of the big expensive defensive end who comes off the edge, and like rips through the tackle to get to the quarterback. That's important. But like being able to push the pocket's really important too. So whether Jervon Dexter can do that in year one, I mean, they did spend a second round pick on him. Yeah. Like, and I know some people might have said that's an overdraft. He was, you know, junior coming out, like his production wasn't there, like two, two and a half sacks last year. Look at the pressure numbers that he generated over the last two seasons from the three technique position. It was like the most of any like the anybody who played the three tech p- position in the SEC. It was 12. So he's got to turn those pressures now into sacks. And I asked him about that. When you're one gapping, when your responsibility is like when you your responsibility is get after the quarterback. Like you're not responsible for multiple gaps. You're not getting, you know, double teamed more or less by like a guard and a center. Like when you have the one-on-one head-up matchup, it's going to make your job easier. And he said, that's music to my ears when they told him what his role was going to project to be in this defense. So good for him, like to be in a spot that's going to utilize him more to what he wants to do, probably more to his strengths because the Bears didn't use a second-round pick at 53 on him because they thought, oh, well, this is like, you know, this projects like really well. No, they need him now. So We'll see like how that comp and it, I think it'll be good to see like what that competition looks like in training camp to push Justin Jones to have that veteran experience. But then you also have Billings, the guy that they signed from the like he was a, with the Raiders last year, but he was a free agent. And then Pickens in the mix there too. I think having some depth at those interior tackle spots might be more important than we think. What is it? What does that do for a guy who, to me, I feel like people have kind of forgotten the fact that he was our leading sack guy on the team yeah it's just terrible well (laughs) of defensive line of defensive linemen but i'm saying what does that do for a guy now in this defense in a jaquan brisker who to me do the sack numbers go up or does he actually get to play safety this season (laughs) hopefully i remember i tweeted like uh i got like some stat like it was the day that we did locker clean out and i tweeted that brisker and um who who's a safety from um, Jamal Adams, the safety from Seattle. Okay. Like they're the only two safeties to lead their teams in sacks in like the last like decade plus or something like that. I remember he quote tweeted it and it was like dot, 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 like an ellipsis. And I'm like, are you upset with this? Like, <laughs> do you like, is I'm, I was trying to like put myself in his position, like, you know, thinking like, did he not want that? Like, I mean, I, I just either way, He's not playing out of his role. It's right. not, I mean, safeties get sacks. Like yeah. that's what literally send them on blitzes for that yeah. very reason. But to be able to use him differently, and of course, we the, we know that the reason they drafted him in the second round last year is because they love all how willing he is to play up in the box. And I mean, he's a linebacker in a safety's body. Basically, he has yeah. he has a willingness to tackle and make contact that allows Eddie Jackson to go play free safety and thrive at that position. So. You yes, a pass rush is going to help the back end of your defense, whether it's Jaquan Brisker or the cornerbacks. Yeah. But I would imagine if it all works out according to plan, he will not be anywhere close to the leading <laughs> sack leader on this team. 
<laughs> I, hey, listen, I, I never know. I feel like uh, watching that last year was like watching Billy Donovan throw uh, Javante Green in at center. It's just like, well, yeah, he, yeah, he can do it. I, I don't know if it's the best thing for the team, <laughs> but yes, he can technically do it. Um, I think I think that this defense is going to that. I think this defense is going to be a little bit of a surprise to a lot of us. Not because I think that you have everything shored up. I, I think that there's still a ton of holes on this mm-hmm. team. But I think that there's going to be a, a little bit of a jump because of the pressure up the middle that you're going to see, like you said, the backline guys be better. I think you're going to see DeMarcus uh, 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 Walker and uh, Yeah, like we can't, we can't forget him, too. I yeah. mean, he's somebody who's got inside-outside versatility, so maybe on first and second down, he is playing one of the edge spots, and yeah. then you kick him inside, and he's part of that interior pass rush on third down. And, and he's been talked about as a guy um, like how they would use Julius Peppers as like, uh, okay, line up on this line, or line up on this line, and line up on this line, line sure. up, which one's the weakest? All right, that's who you play the entire game. So, like you said, that inside-outside, like, I think this Bears defense, I don't know if they're going to be right top 15 all of a sudden, but I don't think that we'll be bottom of the NFL anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking the steps to get there. They did spend ample ample resources there, of course, the linebacking core and free agency, and then, you know, two of your top four picks were spent on the interior of the defensive line. Like That's a sign that, hey, they recognized a weakness there and they felt that this was the most economical and most practical way to try to shore up that position. Absolutely. So priorities, I mean, again, when we do this pod Thursday, will they have signed a defensive end? I don't know. Like, I mean, there's time. Like, (laughs) nobody's clamoring to go get Leonard Floyd right now. They're not, which is even more That leads you to believe the price right now is probably higher than what any team, not just the Bears, are trying to pay. So we'll see if that comes down and and when it comes down. How does he fit here, though? Like, going from a 3-4 to a 4-3, he's still light. He's still a really light guy to be mm-hmm. coming off the linebacker. He, the like, he, he is. He's a linebacker. I, like I don't know if he's a defensive edge. In I mean, a four or three defense. He looked, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Your numbers are going to look like that when you play with Aaron Donald. But I see the the thing that I always like. I think Leonard Floyd actually did figure it out. I agree with you. Yes, a hundred percent. But there was right. He was here getting two sacks in a season with. Khalil Mack in a healthy year and Akeem Hicks in a healthy year. And, you know, like he was the the part of that defense that we looked at and we were like, hey, like what the heck's going on over there, bud? Like they're over here killing people and mm-hmm. you haven't touched anyone. Um, I do think he figured something out in L.A. I just don't know if all of a sudden, right, like with how Poles has done things, it's like I see how this guy fits. I see how this guy fits. I see how this guy fits. I like Leonard Floyd's numbers. I don't know if I exactly see how he fits on this team. I mean, it's a different it's a different defense than what he played in last time he was in Chicago. Yeah. So the belief there would be he's in a more he would be in a, able to play a position more effectively coming off the edge instead right. of you know as in in a thirty four as an outside linebacker. So we'll see. Right. I mean, could be him, could be anybody else. I'll Obviously, take a Yannick and Gakway. Yeah, it can't be it can't be at the current version <laughs> like they need to add. So, yeah, and they have the money to do it. Let's do it, man. Let's pay some people. Let's get it done, Ryan. Hey. Your doppelganger. My, my doppelganger. Your doppelganger last time, you, last time I said it, he traded for somebody. So, hey, <laughs> Ryan Poles, you know what? Yannick Ngakwe here in Chicago. 
I need it. Hey, follow us on everything. Uh, make sure that you guys are tuned in Monday through Friday and uh, listening in to, on, to us on the ESPN app. If you're watching on YouTube right now, drop a bear down. Let us know you made it to the end of the pod and uh, leave a five-star review on the podcast side. As always, man, joined on a Tuesday by Courtney Cronin. Thank you for coming into the studio. Thank you for having me. It's always nice to have people in here with me. Otherwise, I just look like I look like a lunatic just yelling at a camera. Uh, <laughs> follow me. At I am Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there. Shit, don't you well? I saw that in the background, Eric. I saw that. He's like, well, you are kind of. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs>